And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. You know the Holy Grail. It is the number one sports bar once again in the city of Cincinnati. We are working a couple things. Maybe uh, maybe the UCF game. A little watch party at the Holy Grail. And uh, guess what? If you are at the Holy Grail and you order yourself a Cincy Reigns, the Holy Grail will donate an additional 50 cents out of every purchase of Cincy, of Cincy Light, and they will donate that back into the Cincy Reigns Fund that goes straight to the student-athletes here at the University of Cincinnati. So get down to the Grail, get yourself a Cincy Light, and support the university, and you know the deal. Support the people that are supporting us. All right, let's get this show on the road. Another, another big guest. Just keep racking them up here on the BCJ Network. Last night, got to talk to Jordan Bischel on George of the Jungle. Got a little baseball preview from the Bearcats' new head man as they get ready for their first season in the Big 12. If you haven't seen that, that is on the live page. Go check that out. Some really good stuff from Coach Bischel, Aaron, and uh, George Vogel. Tonight, new defensive coordinator, Tyson Veith, joins us on the show. Dave, I know this. there's nothing that makes Dave more excited than when I make the call and tell him we got a coach scheduled. How excited are you tonight, Dave? You've got your uh, a little Tom Segura look going to you right now. <laughs> well, maybe it, I'd like a Tom Segura bank account going with me as well. But uh, few less zeros. But no, the uh, the Vols are are doing work on LSU on the LSU Tigers, so it's a perfect time to uh, talk, talk some football. So. Very much appreciate uh, Coach joining us, and I'll kind of just jump jump right in here. What was the process like with Coach Satterfield as you guys, you know, he obviously, you know, reached out or, you know, your agent and whatnot, and kind of take us through kind of that process, and was there a moment in the conversation, or, or how did that go where you personally were kind of like, I, I'm kind of turning up the interest in this opportunity? Well, the, the initial contact was a was simply a phone call, um, and I think th through that I could tell that Coach Satterfield was a great guy. Um, certainly knew what he was looking for. Um, explained, you know, the personnel on defense and what they had had been doing on that side of the ball. I, I didn't have a ton of knowledge. We, you know, played him. I obviously wasn't looking at their defense as we were prepping for that, but, um, you know, knew, knew of a couple guys that, um, had played well for him through the, through the fall anyway, but th through that, um, we just really continued through there with, with communication and conversation and, you know, finally had a chance to, to get together and, 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 and dive deeper into plans and organization and, and, and those types of things. And, through all that, I felt like, you know, Coach Satterfield knew the type of person he was looking for. Um, and, and it was probably a different situation than some. Um, I was coming in really as the new guy, as the defensive coordinator. So that's probably not as usual as other scenarios when that happens. So 
I think he was obviously doing a great job of trying to find the right person um, to also mesh other people together and and uh, be able to have unity on that side of the football. Aside from becoming a defensive coordinator, which I think is probably the obvious, you know, top of the line reason, what were some of the main elements that attracted you to uh, the move to Cincinnati? Well, I, I'm from Ohio originally. My wife's from Ohio originally. Uh, most all of our extended family is is still in Ohio. Um, so that was huge for us, our three children, cousins, aunts and uncles, grandparents, those types of things being clearly much closer. So the combination of both of those things certainly made it a, a very attractive position. When, when you were at Iowa State coming to UC last year during the season, you obviously weren't thinking about an opportunity like this. But looking back now, was there anything that you kind of remember or went back to kind of during the process or, or any memory of that weekend that, was, that kind of you started kind of put two and two together or any, any memories or stories like that? Yes. Well, uh, number one, I, I had not been in the stadium uh, for several years. So the last time I had been actually in Nippert Stadium, I was a graduate assistant at West Virginia, which would have been the fall of 05, I believe, when, okay. when, when we were both in the Big East at that time. So we had played Cincinnati here. Um, from Morgantown. So that that was the last time I would have been in the stadium. Several, obviously, several things have changed um, since then. So I was certainly impressed with um, how the stadium looked, number one. Number two, um, always knew it was a great atmosphere, unique place. One of the oldest spots in the country, for sure. And then the crowd was what you would be looking for on, on a game day crowd, for sure, on a Saturday afternoon. So um, those things certainly stood out as I reflected back to, you know, our, 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 our short time here in Cincinnati that, that weekend. Right. A lot of similarities between UC and Iowa State as, a, you know, a quote-unquote developmental program and what all of that entails. What do you think are some of the keys and, like, your points of emphasis, whether it's with recruiting or with your own, once you're, you know, you're the rostered players – to sustain that success when you are that type of program? Because you, you guys at Iowa State had a lot of defense, defensive success consecutively. So, like, when you are a developmental program, what are your tenants and, and kind of tentpole things that you, you look for in a player when they're a recruit and then just as you develop them throughout their career? Sure. So, I think it's a lot like Coach Satterfield when he – is putting the staff together. You're trying to find the right kind of people that are certainly going to share your vision, um, carry that vision through and be leaders for you throughout the program. So that's first and foremost, irrespective of the the type of athlete they are, what position they play, you're, you're searching for the, the, the right kind of people uh, to be leaders within your program. And, um, I believe, and I feel like it here still, it certainly starts with the high school football player, the high school student athlete, relationships with the high school coaches in the state of Ohio. Obviously, that's that's our home state. We've got a great, great local area. 
Um, and we, we want to do a great job here first. And, and we believe we can find based on years and availability that every position within the, the, this local area that, that would fulfill a big 12 roster. So um, that, that is first and foremost, without a doubt. I got, I got a couple Dave. Go for it. First off. Thanks Tonk. Appreciate you. Uh, as always. Uh, he says, welcome back to Ohio coach. Exc excited about having you represent the Bearcats. Um, this is something that I, we talked about this with Marcus Freeman a little bit when he was here. Uh, and I'm curious from your perspective, you're, you're a defensive guy and the spread, the air raid, the, this, all this offense starts taking over the sport and defense has to change you're not going to be able to do the same big power linebackers and four defensive linemen and, and, and the way football used to be when it was a little more run heavy. How did that in the defensive world, you guys came up with, you know, one of the, the, the most effective designs, uh, the way that you played the three safeties and, and had success with your linebackers and kind of the middle of the field at Iowa State. How was that change? How was that challenge of, okay, we have to kind of rethink everything that we're doing because it, if we keep doing that, these offenses are going to run right past us. Sure. Well, I, I think in respect to defense in general at every level, they've changed because the offenses now at, at every level have changed from, from high school all the way through to the NFL. So, I think every defensive coach is, is challenged at, at, at every single level um, and, and that pressure to, to be able to play representative defense is, is extreme and relative from high school all the way up. So um, with that being said, I think it's still about making it simple for your defensive players so they can play at maximum speed at their maximum ability. So um, it, that, that's, that's just the facts. And I, and I think, um, the mixture of maybe simplicity in our eyes combined with maybe complexity to the offense is what you're trying to put together year in and year out. So, um, whether that's stopping the run, stopping the pass, aligning to formations, whatever those things may be, I think that's really what you're trying to get to. Um, in the end of it each week and and every week is a new challenge um, we're in a conference that has a ton of speed has great quarterback play um, has really good offensive linemen so it, it, it is a challenge and, and I think we see that every year when the NFL draft comes along and you're, you're looking at all the different positions that are taken out of this conference the uh, the follow-up to that being are we starting to see maybe a swing back in the other direction where, I mean, if you look, the running back talent in this league is going to be as good as anywhere in the country. We'll be good. Yep. I mean, you guys had one at Iowa state that, that I think has a chance to be an all American by the time he's done. Uh, the, and he was like uh, Aaron judge, just a straight home run hitter. Uh, anytime that he touched the ball. Um are we starting to see a little bit of that swing back in the other direction? And how do you combat that 
Because this isn't, while it's still a league that likes to air it out, it isn't just a passing league anymore. Right. The rushing attacks are legit. Yep, absolutely. And I think it that's happening out of multiple formations. That That's the challenge on defense. Um, naturally, everyone needs a, a base defense. Here's our go-to here if we need – if we need to stop, what are we calling? What have we worked on the most? What what are our kids feel best? What how can they answer the problems that they're getting on the offensive side? Number one, but combining that with the ability to adjust simply, so that that's also the part that you're working on every day. You know this this conference is vast in what you're seeing as far as the personnel being used essentially to do the same things. Um, but simply using different people. I mean, we're seeing tight ends out in the slot. We're seeing tight ends at the number one wide receiver. We're seeing two tight ends split out on the same side of the field. Um, we're facing unbalanced. We're facing wings with the unbalanced. Um, sometimes that's to throw the ball, not always to run the ball. So it's it's all of those things put together, and and th- this this conference does provide a great challenge um, for. Uh, um, anyone playing defense and anyone coaching it for sure. So uh, again, I think um, as you start to put things together through through the spring and um, you, you figure out the abilities of your guys as you're working through things, you're able to put together a plan to hopefully best suit everyone for the most part as you head into fall camp. When when you guys at Iowa State decided to make I guess make a switch to that three safety three three five look. Were there particular formations or personnel groupings that were kind of the main reason you felt the the need to to do that? And how how was that transition? Because uh, I mean, I think from a from a outsider's view, I mean, it doesn't seem like your defense has really dropped had any struggle with the transition but kind of what were the the intricacies of finally deciding like we need to go ahead and go through with this because we're just getting beat too much whether it's formation or personnel wise right well um at that point in time we were probably struggling the most with being efficient in stopping the run and pass collectively i think just total yardage given up and if we did certain things maybe we could slow the pass down if we did certain things maybe we could slow the run down I think ultimately the main issue we had at that point in time was the ability to cover the big outside receivers that were running down the field vertically on 50-50 balls so we felt like if we could support these corners a little bit better in some way we would have a chance to potentially maybe make the quarterback feel uneasy, provide a different look for him that maybe he wasn't used to seeing week in and week out. Um, The fact that we were playing at that, you know, we were playing a a zero nose. um, That's a different look for a lot of people. They're, they're used to seeing four down or even if it is three down, it's a shade, but putting a guy um, that, that is your best defensive lineman over the guy snapping the ball play in and play out, we, we thought might be an advantage for us at the time we did that. So there were a couple reasons why we went to it. I don't think any of us were quite sure at the time how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. So that, that was year, that was year two then in Ames. 
Well, you got a. I think you got a pretty good zero you can put over the center now. We do. Uh, yeah, we do. And, and so. I feel like we've got. We've also got depth there too, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Depth is important everywhere. Naturally, um, that's a demanding position, and um, you you do want to play a couple guys in there. They'll be a little bit different. Always, I think that's true to every single position. Um, and then hopefully that allows you to be better in the fourth quarter. And then hopefully that allows you to be better late in the season, both. So that, that's the goal. Now I, I did a little bit of homework, so I hope I'm saying this correctly, but I feel like I watched a coach's clinic tape of you talking about the three, three, five and the okay. three safeties and the, and its effect on the RPO by taking a big guy off the field who really doesn't impact the play and putting a 220 pound guy on the field that can kind of make play, whether it's a run, you know, in or a pass, you know, or a pass. And am I, mm-hmm. am I kind of right there? Yeah, you, you are. I think, um, you know, again, we felt like at that time when we also went to it through recruiting, we kind of had a better idea of what we thought we had a higher percentage chance of getting to, I think at that point where we were. So, um, the types of bodies um, mm-hmm. closer to campus and further from campus, those things. So that that lended to that. And and it's still R, the RPO game has changed considerably. Um, you know, then it was a lot of simply RPO with a bubble RPO with some sort of screen game off of it. It's evolved now. It's to the side of the back. It's opposite the back. It's verticals. It's posts. It's it's every route in between now. So. But those concepts still remain the same. You're, you're trying to, as much as you can, Dave, put a body on a body from sideline to sideline. And if, if you can um, do that and, and match up to the best of your ability, we feel like you'll have a, a, a better chance in the end of it. So with that third safety look, what kind of traits? Because I guess it's kind of it's got to be a little bit different than a traditional whether you can want to call it box free or or tampa two like what kind of traits are you looking at and looking for in that in that third safety because i feel like he's probably got to be more of a not more of a but a very capable kind of downhill run run stopper in that in that role is that accurate and kind of like what are you what are you looking for when you're either recruiting or you're coming into a situation where you did it. We did add a bunch of DBs. I don't know if, well, who's going to be safeties or corners or what have you in in the portal. But like, once you really get into the roster and and the spring, like, what are kind of you looking for to go? Like, that guy can be this fill this role for us. Sure. Well, it, it's a unique position. You like you stated. So that that guy does still have to have the ability to cover. So first and foremost, he he still is a safety. He's he's not a smaller linebacker in in my opinion so it, it, it is certainly a defensive back we've we've had guys in there all shapes and sizes um i think we'll be you know searching for you know that that position every single year because we search for safeties every single year that that have the ability to cover but also can tackle so with all three of those guys that's certainly a spot that that you need even when you're playing with two safeties you got to have a great guy that can cover and tackle both right so um i think however though um developing that position you can do 
um, over time too, which, which which is exciting and unique. We we've had guys start in there and move outside. We've have had had guys start outside and 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 move in there. Just with the number one thing of you're trying to get your your best eleven on the field initially, your second best eleven on, on the field next, and all of those things. So um, you know, our, our very first year doing it, we had a hundred and seventy five pound guy in there um, that really by by what you would have said his position what he was a Nick. corner yeah and he he played you know he was a grad transfer to us had played some in, in a nickel package at nickel had played in regular defense as a corner so he was not a big guy that was back in 2017 so um and then you know you 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 have seen the the uh um great guy in there playing for Iowa State now and he's a big guy and he's fast he's really Geez, if you were gonna create this 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 body to play that position, it, it would be the guy at Iowa State now. So um, he's a two hundred and twenty pounder. He can run. Was that, was that Miles? Did he play that for you guys uh, this year? That, that's that's Bo Freeler. Okay. Yeah, number seventeen. Yep. And and still, you never know how guys are going to develop physically, right? I mean, he he wasn't a two hundred and twenty pound high school guy, you know. Um, is a hard worker, a committed guy, and, and developed to be that size. So, and I think you stated it best at the beginning. This is a developmental program, and that's what we're going to have to do with guys for sure. Are you a guy that give me all the six two two ten guys I can get? Well, I, I, I'm a little bit in between because I I still You're am a linebacker firm, guy, <laughs> a firm believer. It starts up front without a doubt. So. I know that the, the better you are up front, no matter what defense you're playing, the the, the better you're going to be in the end of it. So well, I, I just still just develop a bunch of Will McDonalds and you'll be fine. <laughs> just just you know, just throw in some first round picks that can jump over the hood of cars, and and we'll be well <laughs> on our way. That that's a unique skill set he has for sure. <laughs> you you have though made. You're, hey, as a linebacker's coach, I mean, we've talked about it kind of, I wouldn't even call it hyping you up to the fans, but just kind of giving the background of seven different guys that have been all Big 12 16 times and and three, you know, three times all of your guys were various levels of all Big 12. What go like, you know, what do you see in a guy in high school? Like, what are you looking for? And then what makes a great linebacker? What, what are the teaching points that you – are able to convey to these guys because that's an incredible track record to continuously be able to develop and, and get guys to play at that level. So like, what are you, what are the things that you're telling them? I mean, I don't want you to give away all your secrets here, but I mean, <laughs> there's gotta, there's gotta be something that's, that's going on because there's a pretty, pretty long streak of, of being able to hit, hit with some, with that position. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you, you saying all that you said, absolutely. But n- number one, linebackers are, are leaders, so you're looking for that type of personality when you're recruiting. Um, and I think it goes with that position. For great linebackers, they, they have to be at all three spots, not just at one and maybe not at the other two. So they have to have the ability to communicate at a high level. Um, and with that being said, you would say both of those two things mean they're probably fairly intelligent. So that's really what all of those guys are that you, you would have on, 
on the list were those things. They were they were highly intelligent. They were leaders. They could communicate. They they also prepared. And I, I think we all know that the the more you prepare, the better you prepare, the more confident you are. Um, those things are, are are certainly tied with one another. And I believe all of those kids did that. Uh, they prepared at a high level every week, and then maximized their talents. Um, so, and and with the exception of maybe one of those guys, were were in our program four years, five years, six years. So that's that's also important. How much have you had a chance to look at Jack Dingle and Jonathan Thompson and uh, Dorian Jones and, and that linebacker room? And, and what is, what's your early impression watching on tape? Well, m- most of what I've watched live since they've been here are, are the, the, the things they're doing, obviously, through strength and conditioning. Um, but we have, a, a, as a staff, as we've watched, hey, this is what we were doing. This is how we were doing things a year ago trying to figure out the best ways to start out our spring stuff. We, we have watched those guys. So um, I, I think the, the one thing you really notice collectively on, on the defensive side, when um, you, you, you turn the film on is you do have some high effort guys in there and you feel like if you've got those guys, you, you have a chance, right? So um, you're, you're certainly looking at this point in time, we're, we're trying to build depth on paper right now. So trying to find the, the, the best spot for the best for each guy to start to spring out. And, and, and we want our depth chart to be even naturally at, at all the positions. So that's really probably more over the challenge right now as we sort through all of that. I don't want to assume anything, but I, from a recruiting standpoint with you being from Ohio, I imagine you recruit Ohio uh, to, to some level and, have have you been for Iowa State? Have you been in the Cincinnati area and and building those relationships? And then I imagine you've uh, had the chance to have Mister Cincinnati maybe take you around town uh, and, and and introduce you to to a bunch of uh, the high school coaches and kind of how's that going? So I, I was fortunate to get I, I did get out one day um, through the recruiting period, and I was with Coach Combs and Coach Satterfield both. So. Um, that was awesome. We, we, were you were you highly caffeinated? Were you were you ready for what that uh, well, experience there, is? I, I was I, probably. Um, I would say if, if there's only one similarity that Coach Combs and I would have, it would be our coffee intake. So <laughs> um, we're we're probably fa- fairly even that way. I, I, I would say so. Um, That's a lot of coffee. It, there, we there's a lot of coffee intake in in, in the building <laughs> when he and I are together. That that's for sure. Um, so um, yeah, I was able to, to to get out that day. I I was fortunate. Coach Satterfield gave me several days to really meet with the guys individually with each guy on defense. Um, so that was awesome. I was able to meet with the strength staff more than one time. That that was unbelievable. Um, so he he didn't you know thankfully rush me right out on the road and and and, and going to different places to see different guys. So the the day I I spent what was was awesome here. Um, ha- have recruited uh, Cincinnati along the way over over my time. Um, so familiar familiar enough with with the area and those things for sure. What are, what are some of the other areas that 
when you were at Iowa State that you that you recruited that you'll probably you know because you've had those relationships built for a while that you'll continue to to go to. Well, I I had been down in Southwest Florida for several years, um, and so really Lakeland over to Tampa and down through Clearwater and St. Pete and, and across the bridge. So um, I had done that for many years. Uh, really started that way back at, at Toledo, actually, and I had not really been down there. And then I went down uh, two different years with Jason Candle, who had done a great job recruiting down there for the University of Toledo. So I, I had started down there with him, and he really – I was fortunate. He, he had done a great job down there. I, I kind of teamed up with him a, a couple of different times while we were there and then was able to continue to, to, to keep that area while I was at Iowa State. Did, I, I'm curious. There was an Ohio base. There was an Ohio focus out there at Iowa State that you guys had. <laughs> Did that get tougher as Luke Fickle built up Cincinnati? Did you see some doors that were maybe open before that 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 didn't stay open because Cincinnati had the rise that they did? Well, uh, yeah, there was two things. That, that was obviously happening. Um, and then the transition into the same conference. So, you know, at, at one point in time, you, you were you were selling two different things um, that sure. way. So certainly now the, the, the similarities are, are much closer with the same conference and, and all of those things too. So we had, um, we had tried to get uh, Ohio guys every year. Um, and um, the, we had some Northeast Ohio guys. We had some Southwest Ohio guys. Um, Central Ohio. David Montgomery guys. was pretty good. He, he still is. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that front, like, it wasn't that hard to drop. Look, do you really want to go play in the AAC? Like that worked really well. I don't think I'll try to explain it to fans. Uh, and this is how I kind of explained it to them. Kids in the, in the South want to play in the SEC. Kids in the Midwest want to play in the big 10 kids in the Southwest grew up wanting to play in the big 12. You know, who grew up wanting to play in the American. Nobody, nobody. So it had to have been an effective, like, it might not have got the deal closed, but it, it had to catch their attention of come play in this power league as opposed to, to going and playing there. A absolutely. Absolutely. See? <laughs> listen to the man. He knows. <laughs> Trying to tell people that they wouldn't listen to me. Oh, it's not that hard. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yep. So, but uh, sp spring practice coming up pretty soon what are what are kind of your you know it's it i would imagine being a linebacker guy and and you seem like you're definitely like a teacher a, a you know a true coach in that sense what are what are the things that like you're most excited about to to get back out on the field with a whole new group of guys and just kind of get going in that regard well it, it it's a one of the as a coach, it's one of the best times of year um, because it truly is all about developing your guys this time of year, competing with the other side of the ball solely, which is unique that way. You're, you're, you're not preparing for any specific opponent. 
Um, there, there's not on the kids and the coaches, both. There's not the, the rush. Hey, we've got four days to prepare. We're getting ready to kick off here. We, we got off the plane, you know, late and, and here we go. It's already Monday. So it, it, it's a unique time. Um, I firmly believe it, 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 it's truly a time with your, your off season program and then moving into the, the, on the field, the actual sport of football that, you are number one building a, a, a team. You, you've got the competition involved, both sides of the ball, but you, you are truly building a team that way. Um, and then naturally having more singular time to work on individual skill and skill development all, at all the positions. And, and that's what's most fun because you can truly see from day to day the progress with each guy, in my opinion. Day one, day two, day three. Wow, that that guy is improving. He he is getting better. It's starting to click. He he looks better than he did in in January at, at the, the end of March physically. So all that development is is constant th- throughout the springtime, which is a, a a great time of year for sure. Matt wants to know: on field guy or press box guy? Well. Um, I had had been a press box guy. Um, our coordinator at, at Iowa State, John Haycock, had, had been on the field. So um, you'd like to be like the perfect word. You want to be both, right? You want to be up top and, and see it and then be down when your guys are coming off the field to gather in between series. So um, we, we've got to figure out, you know, what's best for us. I think still we'll, we'll be working through that in, 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 through the spring we'll have some scrimmage opportunities when we can, we can mimic that. So I, I think we're, we're working through that right now. Day one, practice one, spring 2024, three, three, five with three safeties. You know what? We, we actually, <laughs> we, we had a, a, a great three days of defensive staff today. Um, we didn't say that's what we're going to be, to be honest with you. We, we had hammered through a lot of different things um a lot of different things and and i feel like we're still you know trying to figure out you know are there some things from a year ago that we felt like the guys knew well that that would be things that would click fast if they heard it again or or knew how to align and assign comparative to what might be some new things that would be similar to that so um honestly i would say um there, there, there's a chance you're going to see some of that, and there's a chance you're going to see some other things too. All right. Challenge well, accepted. Hey, makes it exciting for us when we come out to practice, trying to figure out what the are, heck you guys are doing. Are, are you gonna, You're coming out to practice? Oh, yeah. Oh, we okay. are. Uh, well, Chad, Chad will be. I, I have a real real job. Um, but but – uh, Come on, but Dave. no, yeah, we, you will see his beautiful face every okay. day. It's it's the uh, the Bearcat Journal mantra. If, if and we've done it for years. If they allow, if the practice is open, we will be there. And most more times than not, it is open, so we will be okay. there. The, you, you, come, you come every day, Chad. Every day that it's open, I'm there. Is that right? Awesome. Okay. Yep. I'll give you a, a, a brief insight into my my history with this. Okay. Uh, remember the, the COVID year, you had like three or four spring practices. 
Uh, we we actually, yeah, we didn't get any. We hadn't started yet, but yeah, I I will never forget the COVID. I don't think many people will. So we had three practices, uh, and then and then it was done. Uh, at the last practice, there was a tight end here. He was from Canada. His name was Bruno Lavelle. Okay, yep. and they had a they had a bubble uh, yes. over the practice facility right. at the time. Yep. Bruno almost ran me over. 6'5", 245 pounds. He almost wiped me out. I got out of the way at the last second. And as a result, Bruno almost crashed into the bubble. Two weeks into COVID, I get a text message of that video from Luke Fickle saying that I was going to need to work on my commitment to the program (laughs) uh, and that I was in the wrong for not trying to stop Bruno and let him run me over. Well, you, the good thing about coming to practice this spring, you can actually sit in the stands. So no, we never do that. No, nope, <laughs> we'll be there. We're on the sidelines. <laughs> I never learn. I'm not good at lessons, coach. Just keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over again. <laughs> well, we thank you for your time. It has been outstanding. I love it. You're still in the office. I've got uh, I Dave excited right out of the gate. It's well, right. I, I appreciate you guys spending time with me. Absolutely. Thank you. We will, uh, yeah. we will catch up here in a couple of weeks, and uh, I will be at those practices, and uh, I'll have questions. Awesome. Sounds very good. I'll be here, too. All right. Appreciate okay. it, Coach. Thank yep. you. Welcome right. to Cincinnati. Yep. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. There you go. Bearcats defensive coordinator Tyson Vite. Dave, uh, did you – where your uh, talking ball fulfillments all yeah. met. A- appetite is uh, is ready to go. In just a few, <laughs> few, few short weeks, I, I, you know. Not that, yeah, you know, I'm not like, not that I'm saying I like it or dislike it, but uh, it will be, it'll be interesting from my standpoint of just having something new to watch in that regard of like. Always. Uh, totally new too, not just like a, from a year to year, like what kind of, uh, you know, little subtle changes are we doing? Oh, this guy's in this new position or, right. oh, they didn't really show that look very much last year. This is, this could, could be, you know, totally, totally new. Um, you know, he, he talked, he talked about Dante, you know, that zero, the, whoever is in the at true nose kind of being on the, on that zero, which I think benefits Dante greatly minimizes the opportunities to be double teamed allows him to put his his power to use um you know i'm not going to say coach brown's defense was um laborious because i don't know but i don't even know that they got to run it much at all right but him just talking about not that it's easy but he's like it made it sound like i'm not going to overcomplicate these guys because right we, we're going to play fast, and I've always thought if you're going to make mistakes, make mistakes fast because yeah. the chances of you covering up those mistakes by knowing exactly what you need to do and being able to execute it quickly will cover up a lot of maybe talent deficiencies where, you know, I've, you know, you don't need 100 calls. You don't, I don't even know what the right number is, but, like, can we get really, really good – at these things and then play them with our hair on fire 
you know, 95% of the snaps. And I think you can be right. successful in college football playing that way Look, as you build a roster. And then as you get better players and as those players become more comfortable, like you talked about with the four, five, and six-year linebackers, then you can start doing the more exotic stuff and the simulated pressures and the and the different looks. But like right now, let's get really damn good at a couple things and play insanely fast. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's fascinating because it is something innovative. It's not, and, and this is not a, a shot at Brian Brown, but everybody wants to get after the quarterback. We're going to play fast and get after the quarterback. Yeah, I'm still waiting okay. for like the, you know, aggressive, fast, uh, I'm still waiting for like the coach to come and be like, we're looking to like play on our heels. We're slow it down. Yeah, we're gonna we slow wanna, it down. We, we, you know, we just want to keep everything in front of us. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, of course, you're a defensive coach. You want to play aggressive and be tenacious and put pressure on the offense. Oh, and can't forget, be multiple. You have to the be coach multiple. That, the coach that believed all those things, I think, is the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that it, it doesn't to me like that there's no gimmick to it like he gave you the answer we felt like having another true safety on the field protected us this way and this way right and i think there's that's kind of why i wanted to get into the linebacker conversation because it is at a developmental program it is very hard to have that level of play from one position group for that many years in a row. Like, you're just not going to be able to develop linebackers year in and year out to play at that level. So, to me, that tells me that not only are they recruiting and developing quality players, but that the system is, like I said, not easy, but guys can sound guys can learn it and then they can go out and be successful at what they've been taught. Cause like, it's not like you're just throwing in, Oh, here's another five-star Georgia and here's another five-star and here's another five-star and they're all just right. great. And you know, these are guys that maybe they're two stars, maybe they're a transfer. Maybe, you know, maybe they came in as a 210 pound dude and they turned him into a, 240 pound guy like it's really impressive in a developmental program to see a position group like that have that level of consistent success i mean how many years did they have all three linebackers win? Three, three times yeah when all big 12 honors yeah some some first second or third team right but all three yeah. that's insane and he talked about it. The, the 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 thing that maybe impressed me when he talked about linebackers was like there wasn't a like we're a middle line, like you know, it's always our middle or it's always our our will. No, no, all three of those dudes better be badass dudes. No more, Dave. I don't think there's gonna be any more of this tweener. Like, I think if they put three linebackers on the field, you're gonna have three linebackers. Well, and if you go into their roster. They have big linebackers. For the like most part, yeah. Their dudes are 240. That's what I mean by yeah. three linebackers. Like, you're not talking, we got a hybrid guy, you know, that we're going to ask to do like six different things. No, linebackers. 
as many of them as you can get, which means I think we might see more, you know, with Marcus, we always joked he wanted everybody 6'2", 210. Like, I'm wondering how many we're going to see, like, 6'3", 230 in that range. Yeah. Like, a little bit taller, just a little bit bigger, like, like one size up. If you just turn the knob one size, mm-hmm. that you might see a lot of those guys from him. Yeah. I mean, they, I think he committed to Iowa, but they, a, a recent offer went out to a linebacker from um, Chicago area, 6'3, 215 as a 20, as a 20, 25 guy, another linebacker, 6'2", 205. As a 20, like, those guys are going to be big once they get in developed and into a, a college weight program. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of, like, 5'11", uh, 225 linebackers in, the, in, his, right. in his system. They look pretty traditional, 6'3", 235, 6'3", 6, 240, something like that. Yeah. Just kind of that part's always fun, man, to kind of keep up with the the back and forth of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what kind of recruits are we going to see? Uh what what style is going to be preferred? Uh, people used to freak the you know what out, Dave. Why why do we have all these DBs? Why 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 are we all why do all we recruit are guys that are 622205? Uh because that's how you have to play now. Yeah, I mean you just have to have guys that can run and cover. Like yeah. there's no there's no way. I mean obviously I mean you need a, you need to be good everywhere, but like if you if you can't if you don't have guys that can run and cover, you're you're kind of dead on arrival. We saw that last year. Yeah. It has to happen. All right, let's timestamp that segment with Tyson Vite, the Bearcats' new defensive coordinator. It's brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, 6% ABV, bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have uh, lemonade tea, strawberry mint, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. There's over 100 locations throughout Ohio. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and locations. Uh, a portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. They're in Toledo and expanding now in central Ohio, Ohio. And from what I've told, they might make a great combination with our new friends at New Rift Distillery. Oh, there you go. Just saying. Just saying. saying. Uh, that brings us to a little basketball talk, Dave. And if we're going to do a little basketball talk, We'll have to thank our friends at Team Ticker. You can see it right here, right in the background. Boom. I've got the Seapaw. Aaron's got the Bearcat. Constant. Constant updates on UC and and everything going on with all the uh, athletic programs. So go to TeamTicker.com. Enter code BCJ. That gets you $50 off. Of your order, they're easy to hang with the provided hanging kit. Place the fight song at game time, uh, even for maybe when a sport you're not expecting. 
and the fight song just goes off and your dogs uh, look at the wall like the wall is possessed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high-tech retro display, daily updates, news, stats, schedules, much more. It's the perfect addition to a man cave. Put it in your dorm room, a gift for that special Bearcats fan. Go to teamticker.com, pick up your team ticker today. Also, Michigan State, Penn State, West Virginia. And team ticker sponsoring the, uh, the the basketball segment. We'll move on to basketball. Um, did that happen, Dave? Is that what you just texted me? No, it didn't happen. Okay. I'm just saying okay. I was just impressed with the. Okay. <laughs> no, Whatever. but no. Uh, but before I would, we do need to give a shout out to the lady. The lady Bearcats got yeah, their. Second big 12 win in a row tonight, taking out uh, the Central Florida Golden Knights. I believe that's their first big 12 road win. Is it? All yeah. right. So things are looking up for Katrina and company. That's right. Kinda, it can take a little while to get adjusted to this. And the women's side, while maybe not as incredible as the men's side, still pretty damn good. So, oh, yeah. 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 Um, let's get to, uh, I, I don't think we need to talk a ton about Texas tech, but no. I, I will No, but I, I, I will. We were here a week ago right now. Yeah. After the loss to West Virginia, you were not in a great mood. I was not Some of that because you were home alone with Will. And I think he was <laughs> driving you nuts. Uh, you were not in a great mood. How how did that change for you? Where is your outlook now after? Because look, we didn't know this Wednesday, but if you told me they were going to go one and one, and it was going to be lost to West Virginia, win at Texas Tech, you take that well, over the alternative. That is, but yes, that is why being in the Big Twelve is Matters. so great. Is so great because yeah. those opportunities are there. And, you know, forecasting down the road when, you know, if you are in a position to potentially make the tournament at the end of the line, guess what? Everybody in those situations is going to have a West Virginia loss. They're all, everybody on the, right. on the end of the season, whatever you want to call it. You lose a road game in conference, you shouldn't have lost. Everybody's going to have one, but you know what everybody's not going to have? Everybody in, in that position is probably not going to have a win at BYU and now a win at Texas Tech. Right. Who, mind you, a week and a half ago was in first place, and now they're behind UC in the standings or tied with UC in the standings. <laughs> that's right that's what this league can do to you. But right. but that that is the, the net positive is when you do do that – it matters so much more because everybody is going to have losses. Everyone is going to have 10, 11, 12 losses. But what what composition are your wins? Right. And so, yes, I was pretty mad. Not I was just more mad that they blew a 10-point lead with yeah. six and a half minutes to go. I know. Versus, just, versus, I anything, versus anything that, like, happened, you know, the micro of it all. Um the macro was it made the math hard because going to Texas Tech and winning, nobody else had done it yet this year. Right. Hard. 
So, but now you put yourself in a position where it's like, if you can get one of the next two, you now have four, you know, four really good wins. Four wins against teams that are very much likely going to be in the tournament. Um, And with the way that this league is, like, no one, no one goes on the road really against anybody and just has their way with the opponent. Even, right. You know, even, even the top, you know, whenever Oklahoma State and, and, you know, even if Houston went to Oklahoma State, like, they wouldn't beat him like they beat him last night. And the, the final score was closer than the game was. But, um, but you just you're you know every home game you are you are a he- you know whether you are in Las Vegas or not you are like a heavy favorite just because you're at home because it's just so hard to go get a road win. Yeah, it's like what we talked about Monday on the BBP. I think the top five teams in the league were what nineteen and three at home. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. And and one of them just lost their first game Saturday at yeah. home. I mean, and, and you look at Kansas, but Kansas, Houston, and Iowa State, all perfect at home. So yeah, go go win your home. Go win go win your home games and then try to steal one or two on the road. Now, again, you kind of need to get one of these two, Houston, Iowa State. Not easy because both of them, I think, are very, very good. Like, Iowa State is very good. They're big. They're physical. They defend. They got an elite point guard. Like, what is turning into an elite point guard with Lipsy? Um, It it ain't going to be easy, but you got to get one. Yeah, you have to. You can't lose four home games in this league. Like, it's almost impossible. You have four home losses on your resume. Getting to 500 is a nightmare in this league. And look, they've got two great what road wins in the first nine. I don't want to have to, I don't, I don't think you want to have to count on them go getting a couple more down the no. stretch to get to nine and nine. I don't want to get Again, to the, towards the end of the season where the I'm man. like, we we gotta go get, we gotta go win at TCU. Or Oklahoma. Um, or Houston. Right. Yeah. But so, they popped up like the Undertaker out of the coffin, Dave. Well, yeah, because you know why? Like, I don't even. I'm not even going to mention the free throw shooting because that is an anomaly. That will not happen again. Maybe unless sure. they shoot two free throws. But it's like, you know what the difference Saturday was to all the other games? Forty-five from the floor, thirty-five from three. It was seven for twenty from three instead of four for twenty. That's really all it came down to. Now, I know that's a very, very simplistic way to look at it, but, like, you were just okay. You you just weren't terrible. <laughs> and, and yes, in a very close game, obviously, going 10 for 10 from the line mattered, and, and all, everything matters in a close game. But, like, if you really want to break it down, like, they took good shots, whether they were twos or threes. I don't – I mean, I didn't get to see a – we were in a, in a situation where I, I got to see some of it, but not really dedicate like true attention to it. But like, it seemed like they didn't take a bunch of bad shots. 
They nope. didn't take too many, th- like they didn't take too many threes. Um, but yeah, if you just go seven for 20 or eight for 22 or whatever the numbers you want to throw out there are like, just don't like, just don't be dreadful. It's all we were talking about. Right. People acted like we were crazy for saying what we said. And all we said was, you don't have to go from bad to great. You got to go from well below average to somewhere near average. You don't yeah, you don't even need to be somewhere near average. You're an elite you're you're an elite defensive team. You're 15th or 16th in Ken Palm, whatever the newest numbers are. You're an elite rebounding team. You don't need to be an elite shooting team to win games. You just can't be in the freaking 300s. Right. In the national rankings. Like, right. There's a big gap between being in the 300s and national average. Like, you you can be in that big gap and win a lot of games because you have three. I mean, three of the. I, I mean, again, I don't know the intricacies of the entire league, but like three of the top 10 defenders in the entire league are on your roster. Three of the top 10, at least, I would say. I am at just, least. yeah. I'm, so, like, no, I'm you, you. you just, just lock, just be good on that end, rebound the ball, and, and be a sufficient shooting team. Make, make the open ones when they're, when they're presented. Don't take don't the bad be ones. Awful. Right. Don't take the bad ones. Don't turn the ball over, and you're going to give yourself a chance. And because that's really the, because of the, the things cr- that you do really well. The, the crazy part is, Dave, they have been awful shooting the ball for, for half of at least half of their Big 12 games. And they still were in every one of those games. Right. Down to the wire. Last possession, like, you know, final minute decides the game in every one of them. Right. And that's with not shooting for shit. Mm-hmm. The improvement doesn't need to be massive. It needs to be, you know, eh, okay. Does anybody, if I had told you they shot 45%, like just in a in a in a vacuum, they shot 45 and 35 against Texas Tech. You wouldn't be like, damn. They lit it up. No. no. <laughs> but it's still, no. for this team, more than enough to get wins. Kansas shooting near 70% against Houston. That's that's lighting it up. That was contested twos. They shot over 70%. Something like that. Contested jump shots, I think it might have been. But, but no, yeah. I mean, you know, there are – and they're, you know, they're still going to probably be – like this – the game against Houston – you very well might we might see what we have seen for the majority of the Big 12 season. I mean, they are the number one Ken Palm defensive team in the country. Nothing they are is, great. Nothing is going to come easy. Right. Uh, so I would not necessarily look at this game as like a hey, using Texas Tech as a building block, but it, but right. it is a confidence thing, I think. Like, sure. Especially especially for a guy like Cmos. I think it's a confidence thing over a, oh, we're just going to go out and and you know do that again or or be or be right. even better like that. That I'm not right. anticipating, um, but but it certainly gives you hope and 
you know, the, the thought that, hey, when, the offense is not a problem. When we take good shots, when we, you know, play better in that regard, we have a chance to go in and winning win games in places that other teams aren't. Like, our talent level is comparable. And I think right. going into the season, that was the biggest question, right? Like, what? how well do we have to play to be in these games? And I think right. we've proven, like, they don't have to necessarily play great to be in the game, but you do need to play great to at, win. at the winning moments to win the game. And I think that's where right. we've seen the difference is they've played well enough, they're good enough, they're talented enough to compete, but they haven't, to, to date, they haven't made enough of the, the winning plays in the winning moments to to take them over over the top in these close games. Right, which is why they're four and five and not six and three. Right. For sure. Houston. Here's the thing that we know with Houston. Playing hard is not enough. They are going to play hard, like, like annoyingly hard. That is how they play. That is their identity. Like being the team that plays harder, probably not going to happen on Saturday. You, you might to, match them. You have to. You have to match it. I mean, you'll get blown yeah. off the floor if you don't match it. Right. But what I'm saying is, you're being the team that plays. That being the team that plays harder doesn't work against them. No. Because you're not going to. You can play as hard. You can fight as hard as Houston, but you're not going to play harder than Houston. So they have to to understand that, right? Because I think that has been a thing in almost every one of these Big 12 games, Dave. They've played harder than the opponent. Yeah. That ain't going to be the case. They need, they, they need to not fall into the trap of we know Houston plays extremely hard and is extremely physical, so we're going to j- take a bunch of jump shots. Right. Because that, I mean, let's be honest. Like, we're talking about going seven for 20 from three is like, it was like a great revelation. Right. <laughs> it's, right. it's not, it's not going to go well if, if that, if that is where we end up being and how, and that we, uh, that we don't um, make a concerted effort to match their physicality by, confronting that head on with 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 interior with drives with with things of that nature so this is a bit of a different houston team they do not really score at the rim no they shoot a ton of jump shots they count on being able to go get them so if this is an elite defensive rebounding team like the numbers have suggested all season You've got to win there. Like, look, Texas Tech got too many offensive rebounds. What, 13, right. 14, something like that. Maybe even a couple more. You cannot let Houston get 14, 15, 16 offensive rebounds. You have got to shut them down to one shot. Preferably, you know, contested long jump shots. And if you can do that, And if you can not, I think the magic number is probably like 14, Dave. Turnovers. 
you're yeah. going to turn it over some against their pressure, against the way they play defense. They are going to turn you over some. They will speed you up, but it can't be 18, 16, 17, 18 with seven, eight live ball turnovers that they just go dunk. Like, well, no, because their offense, their, their tempo is so slow. You can't give them runouts to right. to get them easy baskets and more possessions. Yeah. Um, Matt says, I like our chances Saturday. Matt, I, I, I don't know that I'm at the point to predict a win. Against but, Houston, you gotta have, you're gotta. you just going to have to do it. I'm not going to, you know, it's right. like one of those things like I need to see it to believe it. And I know not, a, a year over year thing is not a, is not a fair way to look at it, but like they've been one of the best teams in the country for how many years in a row? Like four years. Yeah. Go, go beat them. And then, yeah, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to predict it, but I mean, if they, if they play like they did Saturday, they'll have a great chance to win. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, do you, what do you think, whether it's because of the way Houston's lineup is built, do you think we'll see less of the two traditional bigs and more? No, no, Houston's still playing two bigs, are they? Like they're still, yeah, so Robert, they're not like then, they're not like they were though, with like the no. the six, six, ten to six, eleven guys. No, they they they've got, instead they've got a guy that's like six nine with a seven foot eight wingspan. Yeah. So it, it's different, but it's still are you, similar. That's what I'm saying, like, are you are you playing more of Dan, um, with it, you know, with in that the problem is the problem. I mean, I don't know. Like, do you want Dan defending that guy? Because I think whoever the big is in the game is going to have to defend Roberts. You don't want Dan. No, Dan's not defending Roberts. So that's where you get kind of. He'll he'll throw him into the third row. Right. So (laughs) are you going to put Dan on one of their, you know, their other big guys? I I think you're going to see a lot of two bigs. Yeah. um, You know, for for considerable stretches. um, But, you know, offensively, it might be as much as you can to get that extra wing in that's there. What, I mean, that's what I mean, because like you got just two great defensive teams going against each other. Like what is going to be the, like from a UC standpoint, what is going to be the separator that gives right. them maybe a little bit of a bump when it comes to the offensive side of the ball? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I, I here's what I feel comfortable with about this game. I think you're going to see Day-Day on Jamal Shep. Yeah. And And I think as long as he can not pick up two early, I think that's a matchup Cincinnati can, I don't know that I want to say win, but I think make life very uncomfortable for Jamal Shep. Okay, so here's my my question now. Who do you, like, does John guard... Crier or Sharp? Crier, I think. I uh, see. I'm not, I I worry about Sharp then, because he's he's kind I, of become like their best two way guy. Like, 
Yeah, he can but, shoot it, but he's also big, like bigger and stronger. That if you don't have someone that can can sit down and defend him, he's going to go to the basket. Yeah, they don't and, do a and ton maybe of, that's but, maybe that's something that you recalibrate. But I think he starts on Cryer. Yeah, Cryer's much more likely to put twenty five on you. Yeah. So I think that's where you start him, and then maybe if if you know you see Sharp getting off, then you you mix it up a little bit. But I, I agree with Matt that that matchups I think on defense I think matchups are how's at least their, how is their bench? I don't really know a ton. Don't of really people. have one, right? They, they don't, so, it's not significant. I mean that's like that, and to me that's my point of. You gotta, even if it is, even if the results don't come initially, like you have to get go inside to to try to get them into that because your second your bench is good. So yeah, well, you just don't you don't want to get into a jump shooting contest with them for sure. They're gonna defensive rebound. Oh yeah, they do have a guy on their bench who. Went off on Cincinnati as recently as last season, though. Sure. If we're talking about Damian Dunn Saturday night, something, you know, it is what it is at that point. He's their fifth fifth option, sixth option, eighth. I mean, he's not hardly even playing. I'm not even considering him. But now maybe, we've seen you know we've seen Trevin Nell go off though. We've seen I mean you've seen plenty of guys that are not Trevin they got a guy best, that hits nine. Trevin Nell is the second best player on BYU. Not recently. Well, I mean, when they played him, he was. My point. You made my point. No, he was the second best player when they played him. I'm just saying. Okay, thank hey, you. Look. If Damian Dunn goes off, Damian Dunn gets off. Like, okay. Uh, Cincinnati has Jameel Reynolds, who I think had a good game against Houston at some point. Like, each year is a little different. We we haven't seen Damian Dunn do big things for Houston, so I'm gonna I'm gonna focus more on shutting down what has worked for them. But Dave, they're they're two and three on the road. I mean, you know? that's kind of like everybody, right? I know. That's kind of my point, though. But, like, they, they are <laughs> not they are not a team that has looked great away from. I had I had a buddy text me last night, Dave. The, 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 he, he's, he's a Kentucky fan. He's disenfranchised with Cal, okay? So he started watching UC this year. Yeah. And he's like, now he's getting into the Big 12 and, like, you know, it's something that that's it's fun to watch. It's a fun league. Yeah, it's caught his attention. He texted me last night. Are there always that many empty seats in Houston? <laughs> yep. He's like, aren't they like <laughs> one of the elite programs in the country now? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Usually, still plenty of good seats available. Thoughts on Samson last night. I, I laughed until my sides hurt. Oh, I loved it. So, I mean, he was as on the floor as you could be all the way down the floor. Like, no, from 50, the opposite yeah, side. I know, 50 feet from 
where he was supposed to be in the middle of the floor. I mean, in the middle of a play, they were inbounding. Oh yeah, it was going on. I loved it. Oh, uh, I like, mean, hey, I mean, you watched it the play. It was a clear, the guy, clear light. The guy's forearm shivered his guy in, in the back and caught the ball. So like he was being watched. It wasn't like a right. away from right. the play. I sneakily did this. Like no, they were trying. They were giving it one of these to throw it into him. And he was like, "Hold on a minute." Oh, got it. Layup. Yeah, I love it. What 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 about the thought that he should be um he should be suspended for the Cincinnati game? Why? For for interrupting the game, for being 70 feet from the coach's box, I guess. No. All right. I don't think so. Do you? No, not really. No. I mean, if they want to suspend him for Saturday, I mean, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think, I think at least one or two of the players should also be suspended for just just be just, anybody that was within five feet of Kelvin Sampson yeah. is also suspended for Saturday. A hundred percent. I don't, you know, I don't care. I don't I don't want them to be healthy. I don't it doesn't matter yeah. to me. Just win, win the damn game. I want to make the tournament. I'm I, right. I <laughs> no, yeah, like exactly. Um but uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but just in general, we're at about the halfway point. Um, any overall thoughts on the Big 12? Kind of right at that midpoint, nine games in for most teams. Uh, a couple teams haven't had their bye yet, whatever. But for the most part, like halfway, halfway through. Uh, as advertised? Yeah. I don't, and then at the same time, though, I don't think there is, I mean, Kansas is just always Kansas, but sure, I'm not sure I see like a, a, a truly great team. I see a, a big group of like really, really good teams. I mean, I think still like Baylor, Kansas, Houston. Um, Iowa State's obviously playing really good, and it's very, very hard to win at Iowa State. So, um, but I don't know if I see like that. And I don't know if I see that across the sport this year. Um, I mean, give me UConn, and I'll kind of take my chances. I'll still take the field over. I would probably still take the field, but I, I wouldn't be mad if you were like, you've got UConn. Yeah. And everybody else. Okay. But. From the Big 12 standpoint, like, it's as good as I thought it was going to be. It's fun. It's fun to watch. BYU is certainly way better than anybody thought coming into the coming into the year. Um, yeah. And they're and still not, four and five in the league. Right. And I'm not really sure you can really look at any team and be like, that team is not as good as we thought. Like, it's just so – that's why, like, it's – it's almost pointless to look at standings because everybody's not playing the same schedule. And the who the hell knows what the tiebreakers are going to be like when it comes down to the seeding the conference tournament because everybody's going to have four to six losses. 
eight losses. Oh, no. really. Everybody's almost almost everybody's already got four losses. Well, yeah, that's what, but I mean, like the 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 high end, someone might yeah. have like four or five, whatever. And then you're gonna well, have like, the three teams, the three teams at the top already have three. Yeah. And they got nine games, eight, nine games to go left in the league. Right. So so yeah, it's gonna be I can't like that's why I'm like I don't even look at the standings because you have like six teams that are four and five. How are you breaking those ties? Um, good luck figuring right. out that uh, that conference seating. <laughs> but it sure beats the hell out of. I caught myself watching uh, a li- some of Tulane and Temple Sunday afternoon. That was thrilling. Somebody should have uh, hit you with a cattle prod for doing that. I just wanted to kind of like you know reminisce about old oh, sun yeah. old old Sundays of <laughs> of uh, of of what that was like and you know high school gyms half full and D level announce crews and and stuff like that F level officiating. Well, I mean the way the Big Twelve is like. Is, I, I think it's just a, it's a very I don't know what you know thing to say, but like, are there are there good officials? Probably, I don't think so. Like, very regardless few. of what league you're in, there are very few that I'm comfortable. Like, and oh, I know officials work multiple leagues and everything, so it's not like sure you don't, you don't really have big twelve officials. I mean, you have. Officials that work Big Twelve games, they also work other other leagues as well. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like the Big Twelve is is officiated very similarly to the a, a the old AAC days when you could just beat the hell out of each other. I think there's more called on the perimeter in the Big Twelve, and then they still let teams just beat the crap out of each other at the rim. Yeah. Like you got you got to essentially somebody has to be on their back on the floor in a significant amount of pain for a foul to be called mm-hmm. you know around the basket unless you're pop isaacs i digress <laughs> anybody anybody you like like you just have, have your eye is drawn to when you watch them uh, individual players no, teams in the teams. league. Um, I like watching TCU because they like to get up and down. Yeah, uh, they're on my list as well. I'm a I've I've been on Baylor. I like watching Baylor. I like I love um, what's his name the the tra- the Mac transfer Ray J uh, Dennis Ray J Dennis. Yeah, I really like his game. I like watching him. They. They bummed me out last night missing three free throws. <laughs> got, got two pushes in a row. Let them and tonight X got got another push. <laughs> um, but uh, well, the the other problem is there's so many damn teams. Like half the games are on plus. You got to be committed. Uh... And I just end up watching, you know, like whatever's on. E- easy to watch on on my YouTube TV, so yeah. But maybe maybe you'll get the new app that's got everything on it, Dave. Who knows? All the sports Who, channels. Isn't that? It's just called cable, right? 
Uh, well, no. It's like what we're going cable, to. <laughs> in order to get all the sports channels, you also have to have 143 other channels that you don't watch. Just give me, look, I'm down for it. Give me, give me, like, I will watch most of those 15 channels or whatever it is. If I know that that's like, okay, here we go. That's the app. Here's the games. Let me scroll through them. I'm more likely to do that than uh, searching for the ACC network on my uh, 4,000 spectrum channels. Well, YouTube TV is good. There's only like 100 channels. Perfect. I watch literally five channels. Well, the three SPNs, Fox Sports 1, and occasionally on Fridays, I watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. <laughs> That's pretty go. much it. And then over the air uh, for games that are on over the air. Yeah, but but no, I, I like um, it's been it's been fun. I mean, it was it was fun. Uh, what Saturday when you had Kansas, Houston, you had UC, uh, Texas Tech. What Baylor was it? I don't even know. Baylor did Baylor and TCU play? I don't remember, but. But yeah, there's always. I mean, every there's night always, there's, yes. there's at least one game you 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 know want to watch. So, I'm I'm definitely, you know, obviously well, well in advance, but we'll be doing everything I can to be in Kansas City next year. Yeah, for the conference tournament. I'm I've tried like seven ways from Sunday to figure out how to go this year, and it just doesn't work, unfortunately. Yeah. Def, definitely going to be uh, trying to, to figure out a way out there next year. That would be a lot of fun. We'll have to do a content house, maybe. Okay. We think. I mean, you know. The the van yeah. we rented was with the, with the With the whole Simone crew. I mean... <laughs> We'll strap Will to the back. Bring it on, buddy. If we stay at the house that we were at, Dave, they had a whole playground in the backyard. They had a castle and a fort, <laughs> swings. But all right, you got anything else? Uh I don't think so. What what are we what are we expecting from, from our guy uh Travis Kelsey Sunday? I don't see how they – I mean, look, I know the 49ers are good, but give me the Chiefs. Like, they, they know what they're doing in this game. They've got the best quarterback in the game. I, they've got an elite defense. I don't think that is talked about enough how great their defense is or has been this year. San Francisco's got some flaws. Like, they, they have been getting gashed in the run through the playoffs. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I think – if you ask me who's going to make the plays at the end of the game to win, I'm taking Mahomes. I know it's not popular in this town, but he's incredible. So I'm, did, I'm going. Did you Chiefs. see the uh, the the end zone field suites are a million dollars? Woo! Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I did see that. For I, you get, but you get like like 14 people. Okay. Cool. 
Well, I'm just saying it's not a million dollars per person. It's a million dollars for the suite. No, so it's it's, it's like eighty grand a person. Are we going to see Craig Carey in one of the end zone suites at the Super Bowl? I think that is even maybe out of the Kelsey's budget. Uh, it's not out of Taylor's. No, but she would have a much better seat than an end zone. Yeah, than the end zone, right? Right. She'll have a much better <laughs> spot in that arena than the in the end zones. That's for yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, that is. Uh, there's. I. I. There's a poker game going on right now, Dave. Have you seen this? A, a poker game. In Vegas, a poker game. <laughs> Like a, it's live right now. Yeah. Who who is involved in this game? Jason Kelsey. Tom like Segura. He's, he's, they're playing right now. Like Bert as we're Kreischer. speaking. Yeah. Are, uh, they, are they filming it? Uh, somebody put up a clip on Twitter. They're like, "Could you imagine being in this poker game? Busting with the boys are there." Well, I heard Taylor Lewan's up seven hundred thousand dollars. Playing blackjack. So far. <laughs> Dana Dana White was on McAfee's show today. And Dana, so for those that don't know, Dana has been banned from several casinos because he's taken them for so much because his strategy right. is to bet hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar hands. And if he gets up a couple hundred grand, he leaves. And they don't like that. They don't like they, that. They want him to stay, you know, obviously stay right. and put the money back. But he's like, yeah. I'll play for. He said he won three hundred and twenty grand at Caesars last night, and Pat was like, "How long were were you playing for?" And he was like, 10 minutes." Yeah. But yeah, he said uh, Taylor's up like seven hundred grand. So yeah, there's like eight of them at the table, and Jason's there with Bert and Tom, and Bussin and a couple others. That it just looked ridiculous. Like, I don't know how you could play poker at that table. It's well, it's I I mean I used to play, I haven't played in a long time. That would be a impossible table to play at because you can't everyone, think. well everyone has money, so they don't care if they win or lose a hand. So it's like, oh, these cards are, are rags, but I'm just gonna play because it's fun. And then they end up, you know, pulling some and uh, you know, something out of their butt on on the river or whatever, and it's like, well, you know, it's it's a nothing. It's nothing to them. So you're also not going to be able to concentrate because your face is going to hurt. Well, from I'm laughing your fucking sure face. Sure, there are no edibles being eaten. You yeah, know. like definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But but yeah, that, that would, would be I one. Would... That would be one I would love to just like railbird for. Like actually, just sit and like actually oh, yeah. watch the whole thing. I'm I'm sure they've I'm surprised they were doing it's gonna be like out a, somewhere. I'm surprised they don't just have a, a villa or something with their own table in in right. the villa. Live streaming the yeah. You would think if they're gonna put that table together, there's gonna be a way to watch it at some right. point. For sure. And I will watch every second of it because my god. Uh but yeah, I got I got the Chiefs. Who you got? It's hard to. I mean, they're getting points. It's very hard to to not to not say say Chiefs. I've heard that the what how you know the smart money, the big money is on the Niners. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard to to think 
to to bet against uh, Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah, especially in this game. I mean, you're just like you're just if you say the Niners are going to win, you're just you're saying that Brock Purdy is basically going to outplay Patrick Mahomes because Mahomes does not turn the ball over. Right. So you're saying that all he's either all of a sudden going to start or Brock Purdy is going to just play better than him. And I, I mean, I can't, I can't do that. Right. I'm with you. All right. I think that's, uh, that's about all I got. I don't have anything else to you. Oh, I do. It is maybe a bit of an omen for Saturday. So okay. I'm, att- I'm attending the game. All right. And Will Simone, who is obsessed with basketball right now, is on an incredible streak of cheering for the te- whoever I'm not cheering for. Okay. And losing every single game. All because right, he obviously like th- thinks it's funny that, you know. So he, he was cheering for LSU tonight. He was cheering for Texas Tech. The other night, he was was cheering for Kentucky Saturday. I mean, like, he was cheering for whoever Dayton was playing the other night. So, I mean, he has literally been cheering against whoever the Simone family has wanted to win for over a week, and the team he's been wanting to win has lost. So, I guarantee he will will go to the game and he'll he'll want to cheer he'll cheer for Houston. So, hopefully, the this uh, this streak hopefully continues. It holds up. Yes. It, much like the uh, 9 and 0 or 0 and 9 streak for opponents coming off yeah. of uh, playing Cincinnati. Yeah. Which is hilarious, but it also, like, they're all, the teams are also playing like really good teams the next yeah. game, too. I think, so. I think somebody put on the board today three of the nine were favorites. Yeah. Six underdogs. Uh, so it's not yeah. all that shocking, but it's still, it's an interesting. It's, right. It's, I don't put much into it. No, there's no there is no stock that you can actually put into that. Right. It's one of those like, oh, that's weird. Like that's all it is. Yeah. So all right, there you go. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. Thanks to Tyson Vite. That was outstanding. Outstanding to have Tyson Vite join us tonight. That's going to wrap it up. We will see you next time. It is the BCJ Podcast, presented by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com.